welcome to episode 179 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Uh, it's been a busy week. Oh, yeah, I almost regret asking you that question. It's you've, true. Uh, you've, you've been working almost a 24-hour cycle with... Your your boss ordered you to take a nap today. That's, yeah, that's of, how yeah. that's how your life is going right now. Yeah, so. yeah, it's been it's been tough. There's, it's just a tough time of year. That's all. So. Yeah. Uh, but hello to everybody in the live chat and those listening on MXLR. We appreciate you all joining us tonight uh, for uh, a 101. Uh, we are back at the beginning of the month. Uh, so our first show of the month, uh, as we've been doing it every month, uh, is a 101 where we help new storytellers uh, get comfortable with mm-hmm. storytelling. Um, last month, uh, we were focused on creating investment and that, uh, and getting your players wanting to be involved in the hooks and, uh, and finding out what they're interested in to kind of draw them into that place and make them care about the world and the NPCs and the events and things Mm -hmm. versus just shoving them headlong into it. Um, when the characters are ready to dig into things, is where things can start getting a little dicey and kind of brings us into today's show, which is rolling with the punches, which is inevitably what we have to do every time we sit down at the table. Every single damn time, yeah. Um, did you want to Did you want to gossip a bit or did you just want to jump right in? I kind of want to jump in, but at the same time, like, I think your game running this week, this last weekend really kind of rolls right into this. Yeah. There was a lot of really good questions uh, that got asked in your previous game mm-hmm. that you presented in this game and got us little hooks and things, and you had to roll with quite a bit. Uh, I, I had to roll for I, I had to roll with a lot less than you'd think. Okay. Uh, because you also knew how things were moving. Just, just kind of good planning, and you see the vector of things, and you, you kind of know the direction things are heading, and so you just kind of plan for them, yeah. But part of that is... What we're talking about. Part of that is absolutely what we're talking about. So, yeah. first things first. Um, let's let's get this right out there. When we're talking about improving in stories, you're already doing it. If you're talking as an NPC or bringing an NPC in, like, oh, they have to go talk to you know they all they they want to go to the shop mm-hmm. and you make a shopkeeper. You've you're now improving. You are now improving. There's nothing NPC, written yep. for you. Um, basically anytime you do, you are not doing a thing you already have written down, you know, uh, if you're describing the countryside or, you know, whatever, like if you didn't plan for that, if you don't have a written description in front of you, congratulations, you're improving it, you know, uh, you're narrating, uh, one of the biggest, you know, most common places, especially for our D and D players is like narrating the outcomes in combat. Yeah. Cause you can't plan for those. Those are all dice rolls, you mm-hmm. know? So, uh, every, every time, you know, Matt Mercer asks, how do you want to do this? That's an improvisation. It's also a cop out because he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> no, it, no, it's allowing it's allowing a player to feel powerful in their moment. No, of and and that's that's the truth. That is the truth. Um, but you're doing it anyways. The question is, like, what are then? What is this show about if we're already doing these things? This is really good tea. What is this? This is the this is something new that Vicky got us. We apologize. We're talking about tea. This is raspberry lemon. It's oh. from Tulsi Focus, and there was a lot of stuff in it, and Vicky thought it would be really cool to have and so i was like you know what i'll, I'll crack some of this out well it is really cool to have yeah thank so, you make this happen yeah, again yeah yes. <laughs> this is it, it's called tulsi focus and uh it is caffeinated uh but it's from uh organic india Very so nice. if you're if you're interested mm. in teas or organic india wants to sponsor well, us by all means cinnamon in it yeah it's yeah. it's definitely interesting especially with a little bit of sweetness it, yeah, it yeah. helps add to it i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah, we totally no, just, just... 
I was just mind blown by this damn tea. It was a curveball. Good damn tea. So. Uh, so yeah, you know, in, in you're you're always improving. Yeah. Um and and so like I don't I, I the reason I wanted to bring this up in this discussion is because um improving is it, it can be an intimidating thing. Oh, you know, especially so. for new storytellers. Um you're like, "Oh, how do I how do I come up with this stuff on the fly?" Well, like if you've ever voiced an NPC, you already have. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've ever answered a character or a, a question in character, you had to come up with that answer on the fly. Congratulations, you've already been improving. Like, yeah. demystify it. At the same time, if you haven't, and those things are hard for you, you can learn this. There are classes to take for this. There there are some theatrical aspects that improv works well with that mm-hmm. blend with storytelling, but theater improv is not the same as TTRPG improv. Yeah, yeah. It, it is the, a different thing. The skill doesn't translate exactly one-to-one, but, like, the backbones of, like, the principles of all the skills mm-hmm. absolutely do. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sure with much, much, much everything else, I haven't looked personally, mm-hmm. um, but, like, YouTube is a thing that exists. Yeah. And I have found that basically any skill you want to learn, you can learn on YouTube. So I'm sure there are people who give improv classes on YouTube. And and honestly, there's some really great resources that are out there. Even on Drive Through RPG, there's some. Uh, there's a a book, a particular book, and I'll, I'll reference it later. Um, where I think it's twenty. There's twenty seven essays in it from some of the f- like masters of role play. Mm-hmm. Um, where they talk about improv directly, what they do, how they handle improv, and it's like ten dollars. Yeah. So. It's worth it. Yeah. Like, just pick it up. If you're really concerned, pick it up. There's a lot of great information in it. Little tidbits about how they run things and why they do certain things to get to make it improv uh, friendly for them as a yeah. storyteller. Yeah, Rob. Um, Rob was uh, giving me little snippets of it earlier, and uh, even I was like, "Oh, man, I should pick this book up." Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm honestly thinking of picking up a copy. Oh, tw- of it, so. Twenty-five years of experience, and I'm thinking like, "Yes, this is this is something that would hold value for me." Like everybody, everybody has a chance to learn this. Well, especially... and the other thing that I would say is that to that direct extent is that you learn by doing i've only gotten better mm-hmm. by doing and improving and analyzing and improving and analyzing and improving yeah absolutely learning from other people watching little aspects like okay was that improv or did they write that up what did they you know what was it that they explored to get to this mm-hmm. you know what did they write down what did they notice um but i think that's also part of the problem um so I, when we started talking about discussion, we, we, we normally do the teardown of, like, what is it? You know, how do you apply it? Give us some definition, things like that, sure, examples. Sure. But one of the things that struck me was we really don't have good resources for the people who are coming in to get them into improv. And I'll, I'll, I'll verify, I'll validate this by saying that when we watch Let's Plays and live plays, we are being taught that it all should just work. Mm-hmm. You know, or this feels scripted. It's it's really kind of the backbone of, like, where the Matt Mercer effect comes from, of, like, people watch Critical Role and then they sit down at their own table and they expect things to work that way. Yeah. Um, they expect, like, everybody to be, you know, A-class, you know, actors, uh, uh, actors and the storyteller to be a world-class storyteller. And it just doesn't, it doesn't function that way, you know? Well, well not only that, but then you get starter boxes. And in the starter box, it has a module, it has characters, it talks you through the process, Mm -hmm. and the module is written in a linear format with linear events, you know, 
whether it's their the the base one, which I can't remember the new base one. It's like a mine one. Lost Mines of Fendel. Flend of Flendelver. I never pronounce it correctly. Fendelver. Amanda. Hey, hey, hey. I think it's Fendelver. Um, but the whole point of it is, is that in there, the only thing they talk to 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 a relative improv is here is some other quest that they should follow because if they don't, they won't be high enough level to do X. It's going to be a challenge. They don't talk to you about how to get them into those hooks yeah. at all. Like, yeah. that's not... Deserved. And this is the beginning. This is teaching you how to be a storyteller. And and, and likewise, too, like, uh, written modules are often written with, the, with the, the, the understanding that players will follow the sequence of events. Yeah. You know, they will go here, and then they will talk to this person. They will get this information, which will lead them to here. And it's like, what if they don't? Right. You know, yep. do I, do I railroad them into it or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how hard do I have to push them in one direction to get them to stay on the rails that this. Right. And then you get the people who talk about modules in that sense and they're like, no, that's not how to run. You should just have your own homebrew story, you know, get good. Well, if, <laughs> if I'm doing my own homebrew story, then why did I buy the module? Right. First off. Right. And second off, you know. That still doesn't tell me how to run it. Or how to get good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, you should just slap some some of your own duct tape on it. Cool. Yeah. I don't own duct tape. <laughs> I am a new storyteller. I don't know what duct tape is. Which one do I buy? How do I slap duct tape on it if I've never even heard of duct tape, you know? Right. And I think that's the disservice that we currently have out there. We don't have our first foyer into storyteller telling. Foyer. into selling. Foyer. Thank you. Uh, is is anything about role play? Mm-hmm. I mean, the mechanics are there. Great. The 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 combat is there. Great. The CR ratings are there. The balance, quote unquote, all that is there. But literally, the word is role play is in the title of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not part of it. I uh, I saw a a really great um uh, thread on uh one of the D and D subreddits uh the other day that I, like I said if I if I could have given it more upvotes than you know yeah. than one I would have mm-hmm. uh and the 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 original poster basically was just like look D and D people you need to read other game systems mm-hmm. even if you don't play them mm-hmm. pick up other game systems and read them because mm-hmm. when you see what other games do how they teach you skills how they function and stuff like that you're going to run a better D&D game because you're going to have so many better ideas of other ways to do it mm-hmm. than what D&D rigidly teaches you to do. And one of those things that you had brought up in an earlier discussion was um, their their DMing section, mm-hmm. their storyteller section. Yeah. You know? I try to reference that every time we do a system spotlight. We uh, in, in, Because it's such an important part of yeah. how the game teaches you it, it's supposed to be played and how it specifically teaches the storyteller to run it. Yeah, you know what it focuses on, what it emphasizes. Yeah, um, at at the table as far as the story goes and everything like that, um, and that's I think you know one of those things that I don't think D and D does particularly well. They just kind of give you a bunch of numbers and then go like, okay, run this. Yeah, yeah, like be a computer, figure out the point to point on this, and yeah. and get, do it. To its to its credit, I mean, it does. It is a very you know uh, a tactical game with a lot of numbers and stuff. Like yeah. That. So, yep. um, you know, the 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 fallback on just being a computer and narrate the outcomes does kind of work. Right. But I dare say you're not going to get an interesting story out of that. It's, you know. Yeah. It's it's literally just talking about the outcome events and lead to the next thing. And it's under- less storytelling and more refereeing. Yeah. 
Exactly. Adjudicating. Yeah. So what we're going to do today, hopefully, is help uh, pull the, the layers back on that and help you understand what steps you need to take to step into improv. Um where you can take these existing tools like the boxes and modules, if you're not good at homebrewing, you don't want to do that, and use the details and structure and NPCs that are there to create uh, a world, to make it feel like you're improving your way through it with a grid work. And that they're really just ideas and plans from somebody else's mind. Mm -hmm. That's all a module is. They're trying to present to you as much information so that you can improv. They're, and unfortunately, the write-up basically makes it feel like this is the path and script you must follow. Yeah, yeah. You know, anybody who's been in a call center and had to pick up the phone to somebody has give, been given a script of oh, how to no. talk and You're engage with a customer. PTSD. I'm sorry. But you <laughs> also know that that script is a guide. Yeah. It's giving you the points yeah. that you have to reference. You need to have a different personality to be able to make your way through it. Realizing that is what got me out of the call center <laughs> and into offline work. They're like, well, you're really good at this. Your talent is wasted. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it isn't teaching you improv. So you have to step away from this rigid view of what is being represented as the story. Yeah. Yeah. And learn to extract that so because your players don't read that. They don't see that. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of harkens back to some of the things we talked about creating a structure, a scaffolding, mm -hmm. is that that scaffolding is the entire module. You're not there to read the module to your players. Step away from that. That's not what you're doing. Yep. This is just a scaffolding to help you bring this story to life. It's a series of strong suggestions. Right. Oh. I will say this, most modules open with a preface of what the entire story is, what the arc is, and the disservice is that it is not a it is not an accumulation of ideas of how the story could go. Mm -hmm. It's a point to point reference and that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. That is the problem. It's someone's direct path. And they're not saying don't follow this direct path. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the other the other thing to keep in mind too is that improv is not a solo activity, not in the least. Um, in the the key piece of advice that we can give you moving forward is to listen to your fellow players, and I say fellow players because it's not storyteller and players. Correct. You're all playing the same game. Yes. You know, um, and and especially when it comes to improv, you're all kind of equals at the table in 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 helping that in story, the story yeah in the story and helping that story come to life um you know from from all of your minds together collectively and the i think the more you get comfortable with that concept as a storyteller the more you let go and let the story blossom with everyone at the table yeah the more comfortable you're going to feel and the better the story is going to get you you realizing that everybody's contribution to the improv at the table is what is 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 a representation of what they want to bring into the story, mm -hmm. right? So if somebody starts going off on, you know, uh, uh, oh well, I, you know, I, I really hate this guy, uh, and I think we should go hunt him down or whatever, um, then you know clearly they're trying to instigate some combat. You know, clearly they're trying to instigate aggression against that party. Like, you know, lean into it yeah. or or talk about how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an invitation to to play off of that to 
interpret what they're t- what they're saying and react to it mm-hmm. and whatnot, and let the let the story unfold from there. So, in that sense, it is not just them. It is not just the words that they're using to say they want to go after it. It's mm-hmm. their intent. It's their tone. It's their some of their body language in regards to that. Yeah. You know, these are the subtle things. And there's there's layers of this. We're going to stay pretty high. We're not going to be like you need to read the micro emotions on their faces to determine what the next outcome should be. Don't oh, I, oh, I always do. That's why I'm a perfect lie detector. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, is that as you get further into this, as you master your own art, you will do that. And you, once you recognize that, you can see people like Matt Mercer mm-hmm. and and uh, and the ilk looking at their players carefully during scenes that are are a few people wide, like two players, you know, two characters or whatever, yeah. and literally watching their motivations as they're going through the scene and them recalculating how that scene's going to move. Yeah. And yes. you you have to, but again, that's someone who is literally doing eight hours a day of work. Mm-hmm. Five days a week improv, yeah, that's what they have to do. Like, I think I would be terrified and elated all at the same time to run a a, a tabletop game for the people of Parks and Rec. Like, they're all master improv. Oh yeah, it would be fun and terrifying and fun all at the same time. <laughs> because again, they're prepared to to riff and do, and yes, and and sure this and whatever yeah and that's great your table's not that yeah you are not that you can move into a realm of that Mm -hmm. and that's what we're going to step into Mm -hmm. so let's 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 break the big one which everybody talks about yes and yes and everybody says this when you're in improv the word the words yes and are there to help and help and what we're saying is is when someone comes up with an idea like you know hey uh, I'm going to go over and uh, uh, try to impersonate a lord to the guard. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to play up like I'm a lord. And somebody else at the table says, you know, the DM goes, yeah, uh, and and moves into whatever. Yep. That's that's just accepting how the story is going at that moment. Maybe that's not as the storyteller what you ex- what you thought was going to happen, but it's what the player decided to do. Uh, yes, and I think is is, oh, man, like I've got say it. Th- this this phrase creates so many good moments at the table and creates so many effing problems. Let's let's start with the good, yep. and then we'll move to the bad. And I and the I, cautionary but tales. I, look, I wanted to say that yeah, just I so know. people understand that there is a massive butt coming after <laughs> a massive butt there's just a huge butt just imagine the the biggest butt you can imagine and yeah. it's and it's at the tail end of what i'm about to say um so yes and is all about it's great advice sure great advice because it sets you in a position to lean into your players plans and act antics um yes. like the the thing, the thing about that, that your players want most at the table mm-hmm. is going to be agency. You mm-hmm. know, your players want to feel like they have freedom within your story mm-hmm. to pursue their characters' goals, to have empowering moments where their characters feel powerful mm-hmm. and do the thing that they made their character to do. You know, if you yeah. made if you made the the the, the fighter character, you're going to feel good getting in and slogging in and hitting things with your weapon. If you made the spellcaster character, you're going to feel cool. Uh, you're going to feel really cool. 
ripping off that cone of cold into a group of enemies. Yeah. You know? uh, if you made the spy character, you are going to feel awesome having an opportunity to sneak around and do spy stuff and get information, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when your players create opportunities in their own with their own agency to try to do this, saying yes and opens the door for them to do that, even if it is something you haven't planned for. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and honestly, we've both had this happen on our tables. Sometimes your players make better plans than what you have accounted for in your notes. You think that they're going to walk into there and there's going to be a combat scene. And then your characters go, there's no way we're walking into there. We'll get into combat instantly. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of what I had written down. They're like, we're sneaking around. And it turns into this James Bond mission. Sure. And everybody at the table is having a great time. And you're like, wow, okay, I didn't foresee this sneaking around part. But, like, man, look at my players right now. They are all having an absolutely A-plus time. Well, you hope that. A lot of times early on you feel like you need to railroad them back into the room where you had all the stuff set up. Right. Well, that's that's one that's, option. But But that also feels forced, and your players will feel it. But that's but that's saying no, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I'm saying is that if you walk in with a yes and attitude. Yep. Okay. Yep. If you say if your if your initial impulse is to say yes, sure you're gonna have to improv it because you didn't write down anything for a stealth section. Right. But your players are going to have a lot more fun because they wanted to do the stealth section. Correct. They all agreed on it. Right. You know? I think the the but in this, the yes and but comes in where you can Really just say, be honest and we can say you don't have to say yes to everything. Yeah. If you're, if yeah. you've built a puzzle room that involves your players looking at symbols and determining which symbols go in which order, right? That's, that's what you set up for the trap. And may, maybe you really don't care what order it is as long as they come up with an idea. And the first thing that your wizard does is, I do comprehend languages. What does it say? And you're like, uh, I mean... I guess that's an easy way to get around it, but it's not a language. Well, what is it? I mean, it's got to be a language of some kind, right? It means something. It yeah. has to be in a specific order. Oh, and I have to say yes and, so I'm actually going to do you one better here. Sure. Okay. When I wrote that, when I wrote you do not have to say yes to everything and put it in all caps and bold in mm-hmm. our uh, in our show sheet, Yep. what I was thinking was all the discussions I've seen on Reddit about um, one of my player, I'm, we're, 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 we're making, we're making a game about like roving barbarian tribes. So I want everybody to play a human because that's what all the tribes people are. Right. But one of my players wants to play a half tiefling, half Kalistar, warlock, bard, paladin, multi-class from the demiplane of fire. And I do don't want to, do I have to say yes to that? Cause no. yes. And no, no, no. First off. It's you're not yes ending them. That's this, this, this is an improv. This, this isn't is... improv. This is your campaign. Correct. Um, and second off, no. Yeah. You do not have to say yes to that. You are not stifling Obligated. their creativity or whatever BS excuse they're going to come up with. It. There are times where you do not have to say yes. You do not want to say yes. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't say yes. I told one of my players hard no. Yeah. Uh, this this last this last uh, this last weekend, uh, I had a player who was trying to it, it admittedly use their spells in a very creative way. Yep, I get it. Uh, just wasn't in scope for what those particular spells did, and I was just like, I don't see a way this is going to work. Hard no. Yeah. Sorry. 
Yeah. You know? It, it And that's fine. I, I think a lot of it comes down to the mechanics of the game and the mechanics of the story. Yeah. Because I think there are two edges to that that come into almost every single story. Mm-hmm. Is that if you have an idea of the framework you want to have, and if whatever is going to do is going to change the mechanics of the story yeah. in, a, in a hurtful way for everyone at the table. Or, or be destructive to your world building. Exactly. You know? You know, the the last thing you want is a big epic space thing, and one of the people in your in the party has a way to get around breathing in vacuum. Like I don't have to breathe, so therefore vacuum doesn't bother me. I just constantly punch holes in the ship to kill anything that comes in. All dragons in my world are extinct. Okay, but uh, I was my my grandfather was actually a polymorphed dragon, and so I've got dragon blood. Okay, I just got done saying <laughs> that there are no dragons in my game, but there I want to are... be a dragon. Like I've wanted to be a dragonborn, you know, or whatever. Right. Yes, so, and no, yeah, no, 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 no. No, but is a response. Yes. In those cases, try no but. This is why it's a two cheek. Yes, we had one but. This is the other yes. but. <laughs> All right. So no but is the uh uh. It's not just what people say about me behind my back, but also, um. Ask the player what they actually want to accomplish yeah, and try to find a way to work towards that that isn't the thing they initially asked for. Sometimes you know? they don't even know what they're really asking for in the end. Yeah. Or it's a really good idea and they're only giving you like, I, I'm showing you just the edge underneath the tarp of what I want to do. Yeah, you know? the, the, the classic Archimedes Death Ray from, yeah. uh, uh, from, from Critical Role of yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go shopping for and I'm going to buy all the mirrors I can. Okay, Why? Okay, then I'm going to try to engineer this thing that makes all the mirrors reflect the light in the, into, into one point in the middle. <sighs> Are you making an Archimedes death ray? No. <laughs> no. No, no, you can't do that, no. you know? Yeah. Um, your players will oftentimes do this, where they'll start telling you, like, the steps of their plan, but they won't tell you what the end of their plan is, trying mm-hmm. to get you to say yes to all the little things to mm-hmm. lead up to the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, these these is a, are especially where your where your nose are going to come out. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, try to find a way to maybe try to accommodate them in some way. You want to you want to say yes as much as you can, even if that's only to part of their request, even if that's only to the intent of their request. You know, um, well, I want to you know steal a bunch of books from the library. Okay, well, look. What you're really asking for is you want to do some research and you want to do it on your terms and not have to do it in the library. Let's let's see if we can find another way other than you angering everybody in the library and getting yourself kicked out, you know. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. So try try a no but and try to negotiate with your players on places where you initially want to say no, but you still want them to have agency to do the thing that they're doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, um, keep in mind, the but is optional. Completely. No is a complete sentence. Yes. And if something they're trying to do is too out of scope, no is absolutely valid as an answer. End of story. Heckin' valid. I don't care what it anybody would. else on Reddit tells you. You can say no Yeah. to anything. To anything. It's perfectly fine. All that being said, we've we've, we've set the, the elephant butts to the side. Preparation is the crucial component. Now, we've talked about preparation in game. Mm-hmm. We've talked about scaffolding and things like that. When we're talking about preparation with this, is again, 
you're not planning out every move. Yes. You're not telegraphing those motions and making sure that this is the way that they, they have to move and this is things. You are literally understanding the pieces, their motivations, their vectors that they're already moving in so that you know how they're going to move when they get pushed. Yep. It's understanding the billiard ball is going to hit at this angle. What is this ball going to do and what it's going to hit next? Long-time listeners of the show, please take a shot. You don't need to plan every move for your pieces. You just need to know how they move when they're pushed against. Okay, we're repeating we'll say things. It again yep. and again. Yep. Um, and every NPC or group or faction should have some sort of motivation. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just leave me the hell alone and let me live my life, that NPC has a motivation. Yeah. Okay. And that is to neutrality. So if you try to drag that that neutral NPC into antics... They will try to go home mm-hmm. and go to bed early. Yeah. After drinking some tea. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what they're going to do. That's where they want to be. They will hard pass on adv- offers of adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's a motivation right there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it gives them motion, even yeah. if that motion is to inaction. Um, like groups and factions all exist for a reason usually with high desires and direction yeah like their vector is set they've gotten multiple people together who all agree on a on a particular motivation so right. like they're even more motivated than individual people so they don't just sit around like video game characters waiting to be acting uh, acted upon yeah you know um and you want to use those as your guides to how you improv these 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 particular characters mm-hmm. okay so Take for existence, um, just write the line, NPC wants the MacGuffin and is willing to kill to get it. That's very simple. It's very straightforward. It says what their desires are Mm -hmm. and how far they're willing to go with that desire. Exactly. So that is one line I have written. The NPC wants the MacGuffin and they're willing to kill to get it. Now, maybe the PCs want to befriend that npc sure okay so i've got a character who is driven enough to seek out the MacGuffin, and he's willing to end people's lives over it mm-hmm. okay doesn't sound like someone who's gonna trust very easily to me nope i'm gonna have to think really hard about that one and the pcs are gonna have to make some tough persuasion roles to really if they really want to befriend him to get on his side even then he may want to subjugate them yeah. Okay, fine. You can join me, but I want that MacGuffin. I'm not seeing you as equals. Right. You, you have, can be my minions. Yeah, you haven't done anything for me. I'm going to use you exactly. just like I use everyone else. That's fine. We can be friends. I don't have to kill you, but in the end, I'm still going to get the MacGuffin. It's going to be mine, not ours. If they stand in his way, though, and they're the ones instigating the fight... We've already got a line for that. He's willing yeah. to kill to get it. But at the same time, he's willing to kill to get it. He's not willing to die to get it right so he's going to be prepared to test every water with some other body mm-hmm. you know like oh yeah i'm not going to fight you but these 30 other guards who are waiting for me are going to take care of it because i've already sold them on the idea and we're going to see what you can do and if i decide i can't take you here and now i'm going to leave yeah i've got a macguffin to go get yeah. you're in my way and right now you're de- you're, you're literally doing something else mm-hmm. have a nice day go lick your wounds later i'm going to be five steps ahead exactly and if the pcs leave him alone He's just going to pursue the MacGuffin. That's that's, that's what he wants. He wants the MacGuffin, and so he he's going to go after it. He will continue killing others. So what that says is that as the players leave him alone and do other things, your story, you know 
what they're going to come across. They're going to come across his path of destruction, his path of control mm-hmm. for everyone else who's done it. Like, sure, they find the MacGuffin and give it to someone without ta- without taking care of him. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, we're going to hide this with you while we go take care of this other thing. Okay? He's obviously going to figure it out yep. where it's at, and he's going to leave a path of destruction until he gets what he wants. And maybe that person at the end just hands it to him because they don't want to die or lose their family. Sure. He'll leave them. Sure. He's got what he wants now. He'll move on. And we can draw all of these conclusions off of one line of prep. Mm-hmm. One line of prep. Simple line of preparation. So now, again, now we have to expand that because, yes, people are relatively easy to create simplistic lines for. Cities can be a little bit more challenging, but they don't have to be. Well, cities cities just in general, like all of your world, all of your lore, honestly. Um, and being, being familiar... I thought I just spilled my tea there for a second. Sorry about that, guys. Ooh, spilling the tea I, already? I didn't. First off, it's empty. Second mm-hmm. off, it didn't even tip over. Oh, I just nice. touched it with my hand. Um, but the, but the, the jump reflex was there. <laughs> um, so cities. But Well, no, no. No, more than cities. Knowing your whole world's lore. Yes. Like, knowing how your world works. Knowing yep. what what exists, what doesn't. Sure. What the, at least the the overview of history is and things like that very broad um i mean you don't need to be an encyclopedia especially if you're not playing in a world that isn't your own mm-hmm. you know um but at least knowing like the local area and knowing the broad strokes of like okay do dragons exist mm-hmm. you know are those a thing what what is real and what isn't real what is possible and what isn't possible mm-hmm. knowing those vagaries of your world can lay the groundwork for all of your things so you were using the example of a city like mm-hmm. What's the history of the city? How does it? In, how does that influence like the architecture and the layout? Okay, so in my in my game, we're playing in the in the 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 city of Anvil. Mm-hmm. Um, Anvil used to be a fort mm-hmm. way back in the day, hundreds sure. of years ago, but it's now turned into a trade hub. Um, so therefore, older structures are going to look military in nature. Yep, they're going to be reinforced with a lot of like stone, thick walls. Yeah utilitarian design and such like that. Yeah. But newer structures are going to be sandstone and wood, uh, heavy red guard influence due to its proximity to Hammerfell. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, just knowing those two things right there, just knowing the, a brief, brief history. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's, it used to be a fort is now a trade hub mm-hmm. and look where it's geographically located. That is all I know about Anvil, but it, gives me the ability to then extrapolate any room description in in my game mm-hmm. you know okay so we're gonna go down to the to the brand new you know trading hall on the harborside district cool it's a new building mm-hmm. uh it's got a bunch of domed you know uh, uh domed roofs and stuff like that like is common to the red guard yep. it is in bright white sandstone with mm-hmm. wood pillars and so- no it doesn't look defensible at all because it's not right it's not designed to be. Right. It's not old. Right. You know? Whereas, you know, 50, you know, or 200 feet from it is the old watchtower. Yeah. And it's an old watchtower. It's a foot and a half thick of, of stone. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you could climb it comfortably, you know. And, and you know all of these things off of two lines of prep work. Yep. You know? Yep. Um. And then, you know, with with, with what, you, what exists in your world, what is and isn't possible. You know, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'm going to go... F- I'm going to go find X, and I'm going to do a thing with it. Okay? 
Does X exist in your world? Like I brought up earlier, you know, dragons are extinct in my world. Well, I'm going to befriend a dragon. Okay. <laughs> There's so many problems wrong with what you just said. You know? Right, right. But knowing that dragons are exi- you know, extinct, or thought to be extinct, like, I'm going to go find a dragon and befriend it. Well, problem number one is you can't find a dragon. Now, if I were just yes-anding this, I'd be breaking my world. Yeah. Because suddenly I'd be like, okay, I guess dragons do exist. Okay, well, if dragons exist, then I've got a bunch of other things to add to the world. Right. You, know? you, you now have to make changes to the world to accommodate for the dragons having to have been there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this is where we're talking about, like, you know, don't say yes to something that's going to break your world building. Correct. But knowing what the status of dragons is or isn't in your world allows you to answer that question on the fly. Now, I am going to say this. During Session Zero, for some heavy narrative games, like Powered by the Apocalypse... You are doing yes ands around the table to develop the world. And that is the difference there for for immediately getting your players interested and intrigued and part of the story because they are the world in those stories. So when we're talking about doing those things, you are leaning into them developing it. But because of that, it is setting the stage. And that's really where, as a player... This improvisation and rolling with things is helpful as well. Don't be so rigid in your own mind when you're developing your character or your backstory or what you want to see in the world that you're not prepared to play with another player's ideas. That you're not willing to accept that maybe they have something that they can add in. But it's a communication that goes back and forth. It's both players working together. It's not you compromising your idea of what you want your character to be historically or background-wise just to accommodate somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, particularly in part by the Apocalypse games where you are doing the world building, it is fun to develop things together because, again, that that helps the story and storyteller move forward. So all of these apply. So this isn't just storytelling from the one DM seat at the table. It's for everyone to do. And you see that in the uh, live plays that happen. Players leaning into other players' stories and leaning into what they're interested in and doing the yes ands. And I, I think that's a value that we miss. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. I think that's the one of the few things that we can learn uh, from these advanced improv artists mm-hmm. is that they are willing to bend their stories to let the storyteller at the main table bring things into plot and let other players play into their own stories and direction of those stories. Yeah, that's that's the biggest place I think Yes And gets like applied in its actual original like meaning Correct. of, you know... Of theatrical. Yeah, looking at another player's improv and going, I see where you're going with this, and I'm going to lean into it, and I'm going to help you express that improv. And, you know, if your character's having a sad moment, you know, and and saying, like, wow, I can't believe we lost that NPC. They were really close to me. And trying to bring that sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. sadness drama to the table, you know, that's not a time to tell a joke. That's a time to be like... Yeah, that's yeah, that really, you know, I, I remember that one time that they mm-hmm. said this to us and we're really going to miss them. And you lean into that. Let yeah. them have that moment, you know. The last game session of yours, mm-hmm. just this past weekend, um, one of our players, uh, they were uh, leaning into an NPC story. 
during the middle of the game where they were helping this individual, this uh, kind of, um, there's a degraded, a socially degraded uh, individual who, who's, who's kind of hanging off the edge of our group um, in, in, a, in a sad way, realistically, mm-hmm. um, and got pushed into the shadows. Uh, during this particular adventure, like mm-hmm. that, their 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 influence was not helpful, or or it wasn't helpful, but was ignored, mm-hmm. you know. And one one of our players at the table kind of reached out to them and said, "Hey, you're valuable. I'm gonna help you achieve some of your goals because I feel that they're important to me." Yeah. And yeah. then at the end of the game, in presenting this, they were like, "You know, I want to present something to them to kind of pull." And so I looked at this as another player and said you know what, I'm going to lean into this. And I was like, hey, let's all go get some drinks. Are you coming? And I said that to the NPC, and they were like, I don't know, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, this is something my character's good at. I am going to lean into having them join us. Yeah. And I I did that because I saw the draw at the table. I wanted to yes-and the other player. I want to say I'm with you on this story in-game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I leaned in, I made the role, it was a successful role, and they joined us absolutely and it allowed the story to continue yeah to show that aspect of that thing which has nothing to do well i'm not gonna say nothing to do with the main plot because i don't know Mm -hmm. maybe it will but it's definitely a b plot that that player leaned into and i agreed to lean into yep yep no different than in the meta wrap-up when you were asking the question of hey what did we all enjoy what would we like to see we all kind of came back forward with like we want to see more of this ninjas thing going on. We yeah. want the kung fu hustle. Can we get kung fu hustle? <laughs> there's there's cat ninjas in the city. Yeah. We, we don't feel like that's getting enough attention. You yeah, know? Like, like we'd like to see a bit more of these cat ninjas. In like the... it's real cool that we went through an extra dimensional portal into an infinite hell library. But uh, but can we talk about the cat ninjas? You yeah, know? <laughs> and 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 that that lean is another way for you to yes and with your storyteller yeah. and lean into that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's important at the end to do the, the meta wrap up and ask your players, what do you want to see? And I will say again, this is something that we did not learn from D and D. This is something that we learned from other systems yeah. back, back to yeah. what we said in the beginning, reach out to those other systems, look at them. Yeah. You don't have to play them, but there's a lot of things there that is, that are new that these people have leaned into narrative elements that yep. that help you understand your players and help you understand your stories. Yep. And when when you did that at the at the end there and you were like no, I actually really want this person to come with us. Um he this person is important to me as well. Mm-hmm. And I had already seen the efforts that our other player had done to yep. to bond with them and stuff of like that and I kind of saw a an agreement of everybody around the table of like yeah, yeah, bring them with, sure. you know. Yeah. That told me as a storyteller, like, oh, you are interested in this plot thread. Mm-hmm. You're pulling on this plot thread. Yeah. I should make this plot thread happen, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, it's it's good feedback for everybody, and now I know where to go with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know to prep more of that in the future. So when you do interact with them, I have these little notes of preparation so I can improv it better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and... This is part of that note taking to know, you know, what we talked about with where your players are leaning, where their inspiration and drive is coming from, Mm -hmm. what they are looking to do. That's the note taking that 
gives you the advance. And and we could go into this in more detail, but at the 101 level, we're just going to say you do need to take these notes, even yeah. if they're simple notes, yeah. on your NPC sheets and things like that that you've got sitting out. Who's interested in this NPC? Why are they interested? What did they say to them that, that could make a difference, mm-hmm. that could help alter or or change the vector lightly of that person. We're not saying that a villain is going to become a hero or a henchman is suddenly going to agree with them. But because that takes a lot longer because you have to find you know, the two have to come to a common understanding of what the motivations are. Mm-hmm. And that takes a long time to figure out. But when it does, it doesn't change who they are, but might change their perception of the other individual. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Yeah. So that's really cool. You want to hit some questions? Yeah. Yeah, let's hit some questions, because Nevim dropped us a bunch. Thank you again. Yeah. So and We're actually running a little short on, or quick on time uh, I think uh, right we're now, fine. so... We'll, we'll, we'll have some time here. So, uh, <laughs> question. How n- how to not be afraid of players' curveballs? First off, they're not curveballs to the player. Yeah, that's just player agency. To that's, the player. that's just them doing something. I, I think the fear comes into... It, from at least for me back in the day was this isn't the direction I was taking my plot. Mm-hmm. And that was my fault. Yeah. That's not the fault of my players. That's my fault. I wrote things. I, I prepared and had a stream of consciousness of where things were going. And I set an expectation that my players were not part of. Yep. Yep. That that's, you have to drop that fear because no different than saying, you know, I held this party and expected all my friends to show up when they said, yeah, I I could be there. I, I'll, I'll try and show up. Whatever. Like, I didn't tell them that this was meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. I just expected them to understand that. And that that's the social problem that we have with expectations. Expectations are there to disappoint you unless they're agreed upon by both parties. And then there's weight. So... A curveball to you is just a pitch on their side. That's all it is. To me, uh, I I learned to stop fearing curveballs when I stopped identifying them as curveballs. Yeah. Um. There's there's a there's a certain level of like expect them mm-hmm. because that's all your players are going to do. They're like, just going to they, keep throwing. They don't know what your plans are. They don't know what your plot is. They're just reacting. So everything they throw is going to be a curveball in some way. So if you understand that everything is a curveball, then nothing is a curveball, you know? Um, And then you just start kind of writing. I think the other thing is, too, is like, you know, write scaffolding, don't write plots, write situations, you know? Um, And you then don't have to worry about things being a curveball because you don't have... There's no such thing as a straight ball, I guess. You know? Um, I I don't really know how to to express this. It's like... uh, if your plot is not set in stone of what is going to happen, if you walk in with the expectation that you don't know what the outcomes will be, but here's some possible ones, we'll see what happens. Here's some notes so I can improv it. Then nothing is a curveball because you don't have any expectations. You're not cur- you're not curving off of a planned yeah, route because it's not. Yeah. Like, if you expected your players to get on a boat and instead they want to go and steal an airship, okay, that's not a curveball. That, that's an adventure. Yeah. They just gave you an adventure. Yeah, exactly. Take it. 
Uh, I think things are only curveballs if there is if there is a perceived straight path that that right. ball should have been on in the first place. Yeah, they, well, they not... were supposed to be on the ship, and that's where they were going to meet this boy, and the boy was supposed to be – is the future king. Great. Now he's on the airship. Right. right. Quantum boy. Now he's on the airship. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, how did he get there? I don't know. I it don't doesn't, know. None of that matters. Up. You're the storyteller. But nothing matters. That's the improv. Yeah. Like, how did they get to the ship? Maybe he just followed them. Sure. Maybe he's been following them. You can come up with a dozen reasons. Because all you know is, get get this, he's a prince who's being hunted and needs to run away. There's the three things right there. Yep. That's all I know about this guy, and I can literally put him anywhere I need to put him. And your players know none of that correct. until you give them that information. So whatever you give them will be the correct information. You can change it anytime you want. Yeah. I And uh, uh, Nox, I'm going to do Nox, and then I want to uh, go to the point that Huluvu made. So Nox was like, have you ever had another player throw a counter curveball that fixes the problem for you? Yeah, honestly, I have. Yes. Several times, you just yes. accept it and keep rolling. Um, do all curveball solutions have to come from the DM? They're not solutions. They're direction. That's all it is. It's, yeah. it's just this is this is now the thing. Because a, cur- because a curveball isn't a problem. A no. curveball is just... Well, I mean, again, first off, I don't really think curveballs are curveballs. They're just new adventures. They're a pitch. They're yeah. the players pitching you something. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you look at them as less as curveballs and more as opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think the perception of things as curveballs comes from the sort of like DM versus player mentality. You yep, know, right back the, at it. The DM has things planned, and the players are going to screw it up for them. The, the dungeon like, is a route. Yeah. And it's like, it's not... It's not really like that, or at least no. it shouldn't be like that. You should not think, have a you know? route. Yeah. It's cool that you just laid out the table with a dungeon. Your players now know that that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. If you hand your players a map and you put out a bunch of dungeon tiles, but you don't fill in or you have a fog of war, like a, a soft cover over parts of it, and you're slowly revealing it, your players know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You're all on the same page. But if it's theaters of the mind's eye, they're just going to come up with shit. Yeah. And you, that's okay, because that's, that's okay. all you're doing. Yeah. yeah so exactly. exactly. Um, so Hulavu was like, I like quantum NPCs. Just have a bunch of NPCs ready. I found them really useful in a pinch. I think to a degree that's a great statement, but you don't need to have necessarily a bunch of NPCs. You need to have a few motivations and things, because your players are going to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, not everybody's important. Only what they're doing is important. Uh, Hulu is going to really love it when I start when I start talking and telling about uh, uh, basket weaving theory. Basket weaving theory is actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's an advanced con, not a completely advanced concept. Yeah, we're not we're not going to get into it here, but yeah. but uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna talk about basket weaving yeah. theory. Look in, look in for it in the bit. future. Um, I, I think you'll like it. Um, so uh, that being said, um, I've often heard GM needs uh, to be ready for improvisation, but is it the same as improv theater? The answer is yes and no. Yes and no, yeah. Um, the, as the meme goes, yes and no. <laughs> uh, Overwatch actually made a really great comment earlier in the in the live chat. Uh, he said, uh, "Improv theater only needs to hold up for two minutes." That is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, um, tabletop RPGs, you need to be able to last that for hours. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the same sort of stuff. Like, uh, you're not. It is. It can't really follow the same rules because with improv theater, there's. There's no rules as far as like what you can kind of introduce into the scene, and that's kind of where the yes and comes from. Is it's like if somebody says, "Well, I'm a door-to-door salesman," you don't tell them, "No, you're not. You're actually a cop," 
Right. You say, okay, since you're a door-to-sales man, then I'm a housewife that is purchasing your wares. That is, that is cleaning at the time. Yeah. You know? um, and you yes-and to their scene. You know, if Correct. they say something is in the scene, then that's what's in the scene. Right. You can't really do that because there is, as players especially, you can do it as a storyteller, but you can't really do it as players because there is the storyteller there to adjudicate what is and isn't valid and real within the scope of their story. So I'm going to give an example of a yes and that I thought was intriguing. At the same time, gave me stomach cramps when I read about this. Okay. (laughs) Gave me stomach cramps. Because this is a pretty example of what it was. And what it was is... The story the storyteller had said that they were sta- that the player was standing at a stall uh, talking to a vendor and the amulet one of the amulets that they were looking for was at that vendor mm-hmm. and instead of uh, it, while having the conversation the player said and then my squirrel pops its head out of the flap in my pouch and snatches the the amulet off of the table while I'm distracting them now the player had said that they have a pet squirrel like it's in their backstory it's been accepted and all those things. And I didn't just immediately want them to say, no, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's crappy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Your, your creature gets a thief. And I'm like, okay. He said, so what I did was this. I had the vendor notice immediately that it happened. Like, oh, my God, a vermin. You know, kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. get that thing away from my stall. What is it trying to do? You know, and got upset. And the player, yes, ended with me. of Like, oh, I'm so sorry. He does stupid things. Let me grab this and put it back there. No, you shouldn't be doing that. Get back in the pouch. You know, like, I can't believe these types of things. And it changed the attitude of the vendor. Mm-hmm. It went from, I'm distracting you, to now this vendor is adversarial. Mm-hmm. They don't want to make a sale with you. Yeah. And the player was like, okay, I will accept that. I tried to add the story in a direction and that was negative, and I've accepted my fate. And it gave me a stomach cramp because a player is not going to be that kind. Like, I wanted to do this cool thing with the cool thing that was in my background, and you just stepped on me. You know? Yeah. And I was like, I don't feel that that scenario works well in 95% of stories that hit tables today. I think in a trusted, heavy narrative environment, that may be a functional bend to the story. But I also feel that that's, that's that's an overreach of storytelling. That's you stepping and saying how things are going to go as a player. You're not saying my squirrel's going to attempt to steal the locket while I'm doing this. You're saying they did. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's where I keep coming back to is I'm I'm, I'm trying to run through my brain and kind of going like, how would I react to that? If it was adventure and I spent a, a a token inspiration and inspiration and said, I have a squirrel, a pet squirrel, and they're always filching things that are gold. Yeah, if you did, if you dropped a Benny at my table and said that, I would, I would let it happen. Right, it would still create a negative. The same response probably would have happened. No, not necessarily. Depending, depending on the weight of not the story. Necessarily, I right. mean, you know, it, 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 I mean, it depends on the storyteller. It depends on the story. It depends on the mechanics and stuff. Like that if you right. drop, if you dropped a Benny in my, uh, in my, my, my uh, Savage campaign, you paid for it, buddy. And that's that's where I think the weight comes in, is that you receive that Benny, you've spent that Benny. Great. Wonderful. That's mechanics. That works. We roll on with it. No yeah. big deal. No different than, like, a monkey comes and steals it from the bad guy out of his bag while we're in the middle of the fight. You spent the Benny? Sure. Happened. And aside from the fact, and, and this is, you know, kind of tying back into the why you yes and things, mm-hmm. is because there's no reason for me to say no to that. 
what you have done is you've created an instance where the story is going to move forward. Okay, now you have the amulet. Cool. The MacGuffin is just in a different, you know, it's just, it's, the, the football is being played with, you know, it's, it's, it's moving down the field in a different direction. Yeah. That just changes the dynamic on the field. It doesn't win you the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay, you, congratulations, your squirrel now has this, this darn amulet. Like, yeah. now people are looking for you. Yeah. You know, because they can they can trace it back. Like I saw this, and the, I don't know, there's this weird guy with a squirrel. But you know, yeah, I don't know what happened to the amulet after that. Oh, okay, weird guy with a squirrel, huh? Yeah. Now we know who we're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, next one. Should I always say yes to players' ideas? When and how to say no? I think we kind of went over that. Yeah, we, I, we did. A I lot think of we're that. pretty serious. We'll we'll move on to it. yes. You can always say no. Um, a curveball hit me hard. The story is moving into uncharted territory. Can I ask for some time to gather my thoughts? 100%. Take a damn break. I have, uh, in the past, um, I haven't done this recently, but I have ended games like an hour or two earlier than I intended to. Like, real short game session, like, thanks guys, you, you know, one-shot my big bad evil guy or something like that, you know. Um, Where, yeah, somebody somebody came up with an idea and I was just like, I mean, yeah, it's a good valid idea. I don't have a reason to say no to it. But I also have no idea what I'm going to do with it, and the implications of it are far-reaching. You did that when um, I don't know if you ended early, but like you, you just wrapped the game session when uh, uh, Erica's cleric wished one of your dead NPCs back into existence, pulled them through the gate, yeah, from out of the control of the evil goddess that's trying to take over the world. Uh, did a divine inspiration. Rolled under the ten percent. Divine intervention. Divine yeah. intervention rolled under the ten percent, which means it happened. Yeah, and I basically and had plucked to... a soul out of the clutches of an evil goddess. Right, right. Beat a goddess. Yeah. To this, and I was like, I got to think of the impact of this. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna need a minute, guys. Like, let's, let's just wrap here. I'm gonna kind of close things up softly. We're not gonna move on. Yeah, I, I need to figure this one out. Like mm-hmm. how? Because and for me, it wasn't like that wasn't cool, and it wasn't like that's really going to change my story. It was, I have to show weight. Yeah, this has to have meaning. Yeah, because some sometimes, and, th- and that's the biggest like that's the biggest thing for me is like it, w- when those curveballs um, hit you in a way where it's like I don't hate this. In fact, I absolutely love yeah. this. But I'm trying to do the math in my head on how to improv it, and the numbers just keep getting bigger. Yeah, you know of like. The far-reaching implications and changes to the story of the thing you just did are big enough that I'm going to need a moment. Yeah. And and honestly, it's big enough that we're going to do it next game session because I'm going to need so many showers and drive sessions and... Sits sitting, in the bathroom. Sitting yeah. on the pot. Yeah. <laughs> Where all those ideas come Where together. all those great ideas come together. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need that time to try and figure out, like, how I can do this. Yeah. And how I can move around it. Yep. Yeah, this is, it's just the way things go, so. Um, Overwatch made an interesting uh, comment in the live channel, and that w- uh, the, the live show chat. Uh, holding up for hours is just uh, just one night. Think about when something you rolled with comes up eight months later. Quote, remember the guy that we met outside the tavern with the broken down cart that we helped at his house? Let's go hide there. Yeah. Like, that's fantastic. That's a player leaning into their own past, and you as a player going, or you as a GM going, yeah, that's valid. Absolutely valid. Totally. I, I like that idea completely. Absolutely valid. Yeah. and But at the same and, regard, as a storyteller, like, if your players are like, and we we open the pocket hole to a random location, okay, where do we fall out? 
Well, who do you like? Oh, I've got this note about the dude you took care of. You fall into his living room. Mm-hmm. Because it was the, you know, why did we fall here? And literally one of the players goes, I tried to think of the safest place we could land physically. So we landed in his cabbage cart. I mean, it's safe. My cabbages! <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing, is is that if you can... And reoccurring is one of the best ways to improv. Uh-huh. Bringing back the same people feels good to your players. Yeah. Even if they hate that person. That's that's part of basket weaving theory. Yeah. And so I, I will add that in as a, a little higher than a 101 is there's no harm in reoccurring NPCs and locations. Oh, I know. We've we've said it before. Always reuse your NPCs because yeah. you're re you're not you're you're getting double value out of them because your 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 characters once they've interacted with them already have emotional baggage tied to them. Yep. Whether for for good or for bad. Yeah. Um maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Um and when you bring back that NPC, you already have investment in that NPC. Yep. You bring a rando in, they don't they don't know anything about them. So they don't have any investment and they have to build it all fresh. You build, bring back an old one They've got opinions out of the gate, mm-hmm. and that's that's amazing to have right there. Yeah, yep. yes. that's that's weight you can't you, that you you can't make. You can't you can't buy it. Can't buy it with money. No. Nope. Yep. All right. So our next one hundred and one next month, we're going to continue our saga, and we're going to focus away from uh, the the grand scale of story and the scaffolding and this is improv that we worked on, and focus hard on what. Basically, in essence, is the football, the MacGuffin, the linchpin, the thing that binds the story together and trying to make it not feel tedious. Yeah, so a lot lot of stories um, surround uh, MacGuffins, which is basically just, you know, the the, the random plot item, the thing that is important, you know, the the mystical idol or the memory stick with the plans for – uh, you know the new the new drones that the mm-hmm. the megacorp has come up with, or the plans to the Death Star, yep. or whatever. whatever that is. That's the MacGuffin, the thing that the thing the good people and the bad people are fighting over to try to get. Yes, and so you know it's it's going to be a lot about telling the stories about like what those are. You know what where do you derive your drama in those? How do you keep that MacGuffin in play? And like you said, without it being t- tedious in a way of like, oh he's got it now he's got it now he's got it now he's got it again. You mm-hmm. know. Yep. Next week's topic is going to be our system spotlight, and we're going to do something different. Uh, again, this new one, I found this, it's different, and that is it's called Arc Doom. I literally know nothing about this. So it is rules light and tension heavy. Okay. There's a legitimate doomsday clock involved in the game. So it's, it's part of the game design. Arc Doom is literally... Heroes defying a doomsday clock, mm-hmm. and mechanics are built in that way. So I, I like going into this as blind as I am, and what I've read about it, it has a feeling of like, uh, uh of almost uh, a Jenga tower kind of doomsday clock feel. Okay. Um, uh, but with a bit more rules to it. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm interested to see what we learn from it. Yeah. Like what we can add, where where this tension comes from, and how we can express it in like other stories a bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many of these game systems. Like I, I'm like, I'm not sure I would ever play this, but man, reading it was a wild ride and I've learned so much from it. Uh, alrighty, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. You can find us on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. 
and uh, join us upon our Discord. Uh, check us some questions. We'd love to read them on the air, answer them, and uh, just join the discussion. We've got a lot of great storytellers up there who are willing to help with all sorts of different games. Yep, and uh, what are the, we've seen a lot of Reddit uh, people join us. We're glad to have you. Um, please jump in, ask questions, even if they're baseline stuff or something about your game. Put it out there. No, all no there question is stupid. We want to help everybody. Everybody. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, who help us out every single month to keep this show going. Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean, we really appreciate your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Mater Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. Thank All you. of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so love much. Good night. Good night.